Hey, welcome to the Jewish Road Podcast. I'm going to pull a surprise one on you. I have a joke about hey. Christmas. Really? Okay. Yeah, it's called the Christmas tree. You ready? Okay. All right. The Cohen family, they were on good terms with their Catholic neighbors, the O'Briens. In fact, little Yankel Cohen and Chris O'Brien from next door, they would play together from time to time, or at least they used to. Well, one late December's day, Tim O'Brien, the non-Jewish father, came storming into the Cohen's house, holding poor Yankel by the ear. Your son is not going near my Chris again. He just has no respect for us and our religion. What's the matter? What did he do? inquired Mr. Cohen. I'll tell you, he said in a rage. He saw our Christmas tree and he started making fun. He did, said Mr. Cohen. What did he say? He saw a tree and he started asking all sorts of ridiculous questions. Which kinds of pine trees can be used for a Christmas tree? What's the minimum required height? How close to the window does it need to be? Do too many decorations render it unfit? What if it's under a neighbor's balcony? Oh, boy. (laughs) That's it. That's the entire joke. Uh, Oh, under a neighbor's balcony. Yeah. Well, what the kid is trying to figure out is... I'm going to have to explain this to you, too. This is a really horrible joke. <laughs> As Jews, we're always trying to figure out, is it lawful or is it not? We have a million questions. Is this okay or is it not okay? So, you know, little uncle, he goes next door to the Catholic's house, sees the Christmas tree, and he says, you know, what's with this thing and what are the rules associated with it? Yeah. So, there it is. Very good. Yeah. We've told better jokes. <laughs> But, you know, I said that because uh, we were talking earlier because, you know, what we're going to talk about today, we're, we're in the middle of this little mini-series on five questions that every Jew should be asking about Christmas. Today's question is, uh, what is this, question number three. What is, maybe it's number four. I think we're no, on number No, it's number four. three. What is unique about the Messiah's birth? Oh, yeah, it is number three. What is unique about the Messiah's birth? And the first thing we say is that the Messiah was to be born of a virgin. And you were saying, you, you know people that they, they're Catholic or they might even be Christian, but they, they don't believe that Jesus, that the Messiah was born of a virgin. It was the product of Mary and Joseph. Yeah. Uh, I just had a recent conversation like that, uh, you know, and I, uh, he was Catholic actually. And I said, well, how in the world do you believe that? You know, that goes against everything that uh, your priest is telling you. Maybe he's not telling them. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Mm-hmm. So when we approach the subject of the virgin birth, whether you're Jew or Gentile, we tend to think uh, the story that we are most familiar with, we're, we're starting to circulate around Mary and Joseph and the baby in the manger, the angels and the shepherds. Um, but, you know, in the Christian community, this is familiar space. For us as Jews, when you start to go into this topic, this is foreign territory, it's that not for us territory. It's the stuff that our mother said, "Don't don't talk about this." Yeah. Well, my mother did. Yeah, yeah. My mom <laughs> didn't actually, but that's a different story. Yeah. She was already a believer. Yeah. You know, when we ask this question, what what is unique about the Messiah's birth? Uh, our quick answer was absolutely nothing. That's our answer as we are today. Yeah. yeah. Because Mary, her birth was a very human birth. Right. He was born just like every other human being was born. Right. The, so what was unique about it? Right. It was not a silent night. I'm sure that she was in some pain. She was going mm-hmm. through all of that. There's a lot of labor. And, and then Jesus came out. What was unique was the conception. And that's right. what we want to drill down a little bit here. So let's jump in. 
the subject we're talking about is obviously Christmas here again, and yet it has nothing to do with anything Jewish, right? Yeah. Well, at least as as we see it, has how it exists today. But does anybody ever meditate on the deeper significance of what was going on that day in Bethlehem? You know, for Jews, it's a non-issue. You know, we we don't pay much, give much thought to it. But for many Gentiles, I think that they don't want the ugliness of the cross to interfere with the stocking celebration and all of the other cultural aspects of uh, of this particular day. Yeah. Now, we've, we've talked about this. Our, our Jewish people, you know, if they have thoughts about the Messiah at all, they believe that he will be a man. Um, but that man could not be Jesus. Uh, they believe Jesus was a man, but he certainly was not God. But this is probably the most important fact, that it, it's important to who Messiah would be and it is circulating around the virgin birth. Uh, and it had to happen exactly as the, the Scripture said. It, there's, it's, not, uh, it's not like, well, close enough. We, got, we almost got there. Um, it, it had to be exactly as the Scripture said. Yeah, actually, there, there was a lot of uh, criticism uh, concerning Yeshua and his Messiahship. And there were a lot of accusations that were flying out against him and the possibility of his being the Messiah of Israel, and it's rooted in the account of his birth. And in John chapter 8 and verse 41, for example, uh, the Pharisees said to Yeshua, we were not born of fornication, we have one Father, God. And so what they're implying is that Yeshua was born illegitimately. Yeah, and there, there's there's three things that are wrong with this. Number one, if Jesus, if Yeshua is simply the illegitimate child of Mary's infidelity, then he is not God. Right. Number two, if he is the child of Joseph's marital union with Mary, then he was not. He, then he was just a man, and he was not God. And number three, if he is not God then all his claims are lies, his salvation is a lie, and we have no hope beyond this life. Now, the, the, the Hebrew Scriptures, when we say Hebrew Scriptures, we're talking Old Testament, right? Act 1. They are prophetically talking about the birth of the Messiah, and they, they say that he will be born of a virgin. And really, this is tied up in, in one passage in particular. Yeah, in Isaiah 7.14, which, uh, you know, by the way, many Jewish sages considered to be messianic and clearly required a virgin birth. And so, you know, what, uh, what we're talking about, at least through Jewish eyes, is the coming of the Messiah. And so the passage, which has always been really controversial, not only among Jews, but even among Gentiles, as we pointed out earlier, um, is found, that passage is found in the prophet Isaiah. And that is Isaiah seven fourteen, and it says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. will give you a sign. Look for it, right? Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. we got, got to read that again. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive. I mean, even just that right there, 
That's an oxymoron. It, it, it shouldn't, the, the virgin cannot conceive. It's impossible. Yeah. And yeah. That, that virgin will bear a son and she'll call his name Emmanuel. Mm-hmm. Emmanuel meaning God, God with, us. with us. And you know, it's, it's interesting because uh, th- this is where uh, a lot of Jewish objection comes from that, uh, that Yeshua was born of a virgin and that could not possibly ever happen. And yet, you know, I think of Abraham and Sarah. Uh, she was like 90 and he was 100. Impossible. Impossible, you know. And so you say, you bring that up to uh, your Jewish friend and say, how, how did that happen, you know? Yeah. It's a miracle. Right. It, it says uh, later in the, in the second act, right, her, her womb was as good as the grave. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. still, she was able to yeah. do that out of nothing. Uh, and it's not only Abraham and Sarah, but it's Isaac and Rebekah. The scripture tells us in Genesis that uh, Rebekah could not conceive until Isaac prayed for her and God opened her womb. And then you come to uh, Jacob and Rachel, and she was barren also. And so it's amazing that God gives a promise and a covenant to this people, all of the women who are supposed to bring forth a lineage that is supposed to lead to the Messiah are all barren. And then ultimately, you know, the, the grand finale here is that we have Mary, who is a virgin. So all of these things are miraculous. And not, not just are they barren, but, you know, you have Abraham and Sarah, and, and the promise that God makes to Abraham in Genesis 12 is that you will be the father of of many nations, mm-hmm. more more than the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. So out of this one barren woman comes humanity. Uh, everybody comes out of yeah. this. Yeah. And so it, is, it, is it impossible? No. With God, all things are possible, but it takes a measure of faith. Yeah. It takes faith. I mean, that, that's what... I mean, we could logically talk about this. We could show you through Scripture, but... It's it's a it's an absurdity to believe that a virgin will conceive, bear a son, and that son would be God with us. And and what's interesting, you know, you say that uh, this is a matter of faith. Well, it is a matter of faith, but God gave us enough information here to place our faith squarely on some uh, facts of Scripture. Uh, the wording itself, because the Hebrew word. Alma in Isaiah 7:14 is translated as virgin. But you know there are three Hebrew words that could have been used, and one of them is naara, which means damsel. It can be it can be a virgin or it could be a non-virgin. Okay, so I, I just want to like simplify this for a second. Let's take it back for a second. So in Hebrew, there are multiple words here that could have been used, right? In Isaiah seven fourteen, right? Behold, he could have said, "Well, what what it does say in the Hebrew is, behold, the Alma shall conceive." Um, now they 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 used Alma specifically, but you're saying they they didn't have to use Alma. They could have used this other word, Naara, and right. Naara means damsel. It could be. A virgin or a non-virgin. Right. Okay. So that's that's word number one that they could have used, but then there was another word that they could have used. Yeah. Another word, uh, popular word, is betula, which is uh, common a common word for virgin. Uh, the argument goes though that if Isaiah really meant virgin, he would have used this word. You know, so and Jewish that's people what, are saying that. That's the argument that Jewish people. Yeah. Are and so that's how the argument goes there. While it's 
often used to mean virgin, though, uh, it doesn't always mean virgin. For example, in Joel chapter 1, verse 18, it's referring to a widow. Okay. In Genesis 24, uh, the writer uses the word but has to add, had never known a man to clarify what he means. Okay, and in Judges 21, the word betula is used again, but it's followed by had not known a man. It had to be added to give the precise meaning of the word. So those two words... uh, Could have been used. While it could be virgin, uh, you know, it may not be. So so if Isaiah uses either na'ara or betula in this passage, then we could say, well... Mary didn't necessarily have to be a virgin. She could have been, but didn't have to be. So Isaiah specifically uses the word Alma. Yeah. And what does that mean? Well, uh, Alma means, it it can mean a virgin. It can mean a young woman. It could mean a young woman or a virgin of marriageable age. This word is used seven times in the Hebrew scriptures, and I'll, I'll just give them to you real quickly in Genesis 24, 43, in Exodus 2, 8, in Psalm 68, 25, in the Song of Solomon 1, 3, and 6, 8, and in Proverbs chapter 30, verses 18 and 19, and here in our verse in Isaiah chapter 7, 14. You can look those up when you have a, a minute for yourself. I'm not going to go through all those, uh, but... Not once is it used to describe a married woman, and that point is not debated. So since there is agreement that Alma means an unmarried woman, if the woman in Isaiah 7.14 were a non-virgin, then God would be promising a sign involving fornication and illegitimacy, right? right? And that would be unthinkable, right? God, God would not sanction sin, and... Besides, what would be so unusual about an illegitimate baby that could possibly constitute a sign? Yeah, it's not, not a sign. Not There's really nothing sign. to look for with that, right? No, not at all. What's really interesting about the use of the word Alma is that the Hebrew scriptures were translated by Jewish scholars into Greek about 200 B.C. Okay, say that again. Explain it. The, the Hebrew scriptures were translated by 200 scholars... Okay. Into, into Greek, or by 70 scholars, okay. in about 200 B.C., and they translated the Hebrew word Alma using the Greek word Parthenos, which only means virgin. So, so here you have these Jewish rabbis. Yeah, those were Jewish rabbis, right, yeah. that, that are translating into the Greek, right. and they, they use the, word, the Greek word Parthenos, which means only virgin. Yeah, and they were doing this because there was a large Jewish population in Egypt at the time, in Alexandria, and the Alexandrian library wanted a Greek, they were Greek-speaking, right. and they wanted a Greek copy of the Hebrew Scriptures. So these rabbis set out and did the translation, and they translated Alma in Isaiah 7.14 as Parthenos, which only means virgin. It happens to be the same verse that Matthew quoted in chapter 1 and verse 23 when he said, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. You know, Matthew, of course, is writing his gospel to the Jews, presenting Yeshua, the Messiah, as the king of the Jews. And the fact that Matthew quotes Isaiah 14 in that way shows that at least some who were there in the first century, in first century Judaism, understood Isaiah's prophecy 
to speak of a virgin birth. That's it for this segment, for this episode of the Jewish Road Podcast. We hope that this is something that's building your faith, that you can dig a little deeper. And as you are celebrating and remembering this, (laughs) we're not asking you to tear down your Christmas tree, um, but that you would think through uh, what is it that this is all about and uh, to really get to the roots of why it is that we do what we do. And is it based in Scripture? And uh, I would even say, uh, you know, of all the songs, I, I like I like some Christmas carols. I think there's some beautiful ones. But my favorite one is "O Come, O Come, Emmanuel," mm-hmm. and uh, it is that that longing. And and we we sing that in two ways. One is knowing that Emmanuel has come and that he will come again. And and let us give you a little encouragement also, because uh, I realize that this is kind of. Uh, technical information that we're giving to you in terms of language and words and translations and all of that uh, kind of stuff. But if you can present these things to your Jewish friends, you know more than they know about this particular text of Scripture, and you can present it in a Jewish way that they can understand, they can make sense of. Or everybody will just be confused and we'll keep the conversation going. But at least there's something to talk about. And I know sometimes when we're, we're reaching out to Jewish people, um, we that, uh, I've just heard this over the years, the people are just, I, I don't want to offend them. I don't want to mess things up. I, I don't, I, this, if you could have this kind of conversation with a Jewish person, it would be a relevant conversation. It would be a good conversation. And if you get stuck, then you email us at shalom at the Jewish road.com and we'll help you out. Um, So, thanks for listening. Um, We hope that you have a great holiday season and that you would remember that the Lord has come. God is with us. Till next time, thank you for listening to the Jewish Road Podcast. Shalom. Shalom, y'all.